Open my eyes that I may see, and stop my ears that I might hear. Cast wide the portals of my being that I might feel and apprehend, perhaps again or for the first time, of the great love of God in every circumstance of our lives. This is the vantage point uh, from which the Apostle writes to the church at Philippi. As Holly noted, a congregation that had been formed, coalesced around an earlier visit by Paul and the power of his preaching, the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. And Paul writes to them from imprisonment. We're not sure exactly which imprisonment. Uh, Many folks think it was probably the last imprisonment of his life when he was in Rome having appealed to Caesar to adjudicate the charges against him. Implied in the letter is that he is on the edge. But take note of the fact that This is one of several imprisonments of Paul. The suffering that he experienced, the stonings and the beatings, the scourging and the whipping, being driven from one town or another, the great opposition that was engendered by his preaching, not unlike that which met the preaching in the ministry of Jesus Christ. If you doubt that Christianity is a countercultural phenomenon, all you have to do is to look at the experience of the ancients and how when they preached good news, the world said, not good news, bad news. So here is Paul in his imprisonment, and he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now, that's a different kind of perspective, it seems to me, than one with which we might be expected to understand. From the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians, he's writing here now about the great promise of God fulfilled in the life of Jesus and how our citizenship is not here but he says in heaven, and that we pray that, as Jesus taught, the kingdom of heaven is here. We are praying that, Paul says, that this citizenship will become realized in the time that has been entrusted to us. And there he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. And then he addresses a conflict um, involving two of the leaders of the church, Euodia and Syntyche. It's not entirely clear if the dispute is between them or if it's a dispute between Paul and Euodia and Syntyche. But nevertheless, this is what he writes. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, leaders of the church, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are inscribed in the book of life. Men and women, Euodia, Syntyche, Clement, 
Timothy, Paul, these early leaders of the church are united in Christ, but they're not necessarily uniform in Christ. There are differences, there are disagreements. But he says, let's understand that we are one in Christ and not to see the differences as defining, but to be dealt with, to be celebrated, to be enriched by, and then to find a deeper connection with each other by the reconciliation of our individual lives and ideas, conceptions. Then, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice, he writes, from a prison cell. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going your way and when the jailkeeper has unlocked the gate and let you go free. No. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. We have the idea in our time and culture, I think, that we have a right to happiness. Indeed, the foundation document of our nation, the inalienable right, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson, of course, did not mean happiness in the way that you and I think of it, but nevertheless, there is this idea that we have a right to the pursuit of joy. But is joy and happiness, are they the same? Paul, I think, would say no. Joy is not an affirmation that everything is going well. Joy is the deep understanding, it's the perception that despite everything that happens, our joy is found not in the outward circumstances of our lives, but the deep inward reality of the gift of God in Jesus Christ that transforms and frees us in all circumstances. Paul is talking here about a discipline of perception. To choose to see the world in the way that God sees the world. Not as I would have it, but as it is, but also with the understanding of what God's dream for the world is, what God's dream for humanity, what God's dream for you is, what God's dream for me and our community and your family and your loved ones. And as Jesus would say, what God's dream is for our enemies, to love them, not to hate them, to pray for them, to recognize that we are all children of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice so then, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Your forbearance, your understanding, your compassion, your patience be known to everyone. And here, it seems to me, is the hinge of the entire passage. For the Lord is near. Not distant, found on the other side of the cosmos, behind some distant star or beneath some black hole in space. The Lord is 
near, here, now, echoing Jesus' understanding, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, it's here, it's now. So our perception, our perspective, is changed by this fact. It gives us the opportunity to fully embrace the discipline of the perception, which yields joy. It's a way of choosing to look at the world. Do not worry about anything. Do not be consumed with worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not that we should accept things that are wrong, because they are, but not to worry about them, not to obsess about them, not to, pres- not to get caught in this cycle of rumination which only draws us down into some kind of whirlpool, into the abyss, into the morass of of thinking that all things are for naught. But to see them as God sees them, and perhaps most importantly, to see each other as God sees us. I think so much of the anxiety that we feel these days Uh, stems in large part from the belief that we are divided from one another. That is certainly uh, true um, in our body politic. It seems to me that one way out of the morass into which we have uh, found, in which we have found ourselves, which we have created uh, for ourselves, is to have the humility to step back and to appreciate and respect the fact that other people of goodwill, other people who are also children of God, loved by God, can have a different perception about the right way for our society to go forward. And this does not make them evil, it makes them different in the way they see the world than from the way I see the world. But to have enough humility, forbearance, to listen, to truly listen, not for the point of argumentation, not in order to affirm that you agree with them, but to understand, to listen for understanding. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. What a great idea. Stop thinking about false promises. 
Stop obsessing about feckless leadership. Stop prevaricating over the perceived immorality of other people. Stop gazing at our navel to find out if we are wrong and the other is right or that I'm wrong and that you are right. But think about what is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing to God, commendable, anything worthy of praise, this becomes the stepping stone by which we can engage in the discipline of the perspective of joy. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Keep on doing the things which mark us as Christians, caring and compassionate, actively engaged in the in the cause of justice and of building peace, reaching into the world and responding to God's call upon us to create a world that is truly in in line with God's intention for us. As we said in our opening hymn, prayed in our opening prayer rather, the serenity to accept the things that cannot be changed, the courage to change the things that should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. That's a different perspective. And I think it can become a place in which we experience joy, not as the goal of our lives. Our goal is to be Christ's disciples. But when we do that, we inevitably experience the joy knowing fully, not just as an uh, idea, but to know in the marrow of our bones that the Lord is near. And so then, the God of peace will be with you. Amen.